Well, today I want to talk about uh, practicing with fear and anxiety. Very common human emotions, fear and anxiety. In the uh, Tibetan tradition, and, and really like in the root of, of the Buddhist tradition, like all afflictive emotions can kind of be boiled down to fear. And so like part of this pondering, you know, part of the, the questioning in this talk is a question of, of what is fear? This is a deep and a rich, rich question. And it's, you know, part of our practice is this element of inquiry. So, so much of our lives, we are relating to concepts. And sometimes what happens is the concept becomes just so um, almost innate, just like we're so used to relating to the concept that we have oftentimes like we're quite abstracted from the actual experience. So that can apply to fear. It can apply to a lot of things that we've come to just like label and then we react to the label. And a number of you have have sat and practiced with me for a while and you may have done this exercise that I often guide of you know, feeling like noticing even just in your embodied experience and you can do this right now just noticing if there if you drop into the felt sense of your body notice if there's any place in the body that there's like more of a label than an experience so i notice as i do this like there's tension in my neck and i kind of just like I don't even say it out loud, but I notice I'm kind of relating to that part of my body of like, oh, there's tension there. And there's kind of a like, don't go there. Don't feel it. But if I, if I peel off and I invite you to do this, if you found a place, maybe it's pain is a word or tension or discomfort. There's a kind of common ones when relating to body experience, but even emotions we can label. And there are times when labeling can be really, really helpful because it helps us get space from the experience to begin to relate to it. But also labels can be a way that we kind of prevent ourselves from actually feeling or being with the direct experience. So we might label something anxiety and then we're just like reacting to the label anxiety without actually like really feeling like, well, what does this experience feel like? And so whatever you found, if you found tension or you're relating to tension or pain, just like experiment with what happens if you take off that label and, and get closer to the direct sensation in that part of your body. And just notice if anything changes. Sometimes it's 
subtle. Sometimes for me, it's like, oh, that thing I was calling tension is like nowhere to be found. How interesting. I mean, this, this can be something I, I'm even curious about in meditation when we use like, oh, that's my arm. And we start relating to the sensations from the concept arm, but the felt or experience of arm is so much more dynamic. And that's true of tension. That's true of, um, you know, more neutral sensations. That's true of positive sensations. That's true or what we call positive sensations. That's true of these sensations that we often use the label as a way of protecting ourselves um, from the sensations, but often the sensations um, are just much more dynamic and nuanced than the label can capture. So that's, you know, part of this investigation of fear and anxiety uh, is getting curious about what what we call fear. There's so many layers to fear. There's like the deep existential fear. Fear of not really knowing who we are or what we are. Why we're here, what is here. And then there can be you know, layers of fear based on our conditioning, our previous traumas or experiences, having unmet needs as children. And then there's this kind of amorphous, low-level fear that a lot of us experience, we call anxiety, like a worry about the future or a felt sense of unease around uncertainty or unpredictability about the future or not being in control. You know, and these are all words to approximate this rather slippery, and that's really recognized in the Buddhist tradition that fear can be very slippery when we, you know, attempt to move towards it or study it it can kind of like smoke, like morph into something else. So it's actually quite uh, challenging to pick up in our practice. And yet, um, in, in some ways it's imperative because it can, because it's like smoke, it can also kind of morph and move into many dimensions of our lives. And, um, something I've become particularly interested in in practice is you know maybe we can't pin down always fear itself but we can work with how we relate to fear and I know part of the human experience for most humans that I talk to is this phenomena of being afraid to feel fear And that's something we can move towards or investigate in practice. So we've been exploring the five great elements on Monday night. And uh, these last few weeks, we've been working with the great element of space or spaciousness or emptiness. 
And in um, many of the Buddhist systems that use the elements kind of as a framework, um, each element corresponds to a, what we call in Buddhism, an afflictive emotional response. So in Buddhist psychology or Buddhist practice, emotions are not afflictive in and of themselves, but they become afflictive when we react to them out of unconscious habit. And here, react means invest in them in some way. So emotions can be pure sensation happening just like thoughts can be pure sensation happening. Often thoughts are like a a blend of image and sound and uh, physical sensation, touch touch sensation. And emotions too are often a blend of physical sensation, uh, sometimes thought, sometimes image. And so they're you know, we can experience emotion, we can experience thought as pure sensation happening, moving, moving through us. But often what we do with both thought and emotion is we invest in them in some way. So one way that we might do this is uh, an emotion arises, a fear arises. Maybe it's the fear of needing to have a difficult conversation with somebody and a fear arises and then and then we we invest in it and so we start thinking like oh if i if i bring that up with them like they're going to react this way and maybe it's um, a reaction that you have had an experience with other people so you get this image of like your dad and how he rejected you or a, a previous partner or a previous business partner and how they were cool or um, dismissive or critical and and so we kind of start to build up this anticipation or we can go you know we can go many different ways with that oh I'm nervous about this conversation so I'm going to watch a lot of YouTube videos on how to have nonviolent communication you know so we our minds can be like anticipating this and then we can react like okay there's this truth like this bad thing is going to happen or this difficult thing I'm afraid of it and then we can have this ex- experience of, of trying to correct for it, control it, make it go well, make it go our way. Um, or another way we can respond is kind of to numb out. So that's kind of more engaging with the thought, the emotion, and trying to, to fix it or make it go our way. Not saying this is bad, I'm just saying this is what a reaction to an emotional response is. Oftentimes that we kind of build on it and it can it can go in in the way of like anxiety, future worry, like, oh, if this conversation doesn't go well, then um, I might get fired from my job and then I won't be, and then I won't have a a retirement plan and then I'm going to be houseless by the time I'm 70, like so many different ways our minds can go. Or no one's going to love me because I won't have this high paying job anymore. and sometimes those are quick thoughts that happen or you know sometimes they're based somewhat in reality sometimes they're really far-fetched but they can still stir up reactivity another way we invest in thought is we we relate or invest in emotion is we relate whatever 
thought or emotion is kind of coming up to past experience so we can go past future and that's one way we kind of grab hold of uh, an emotion as it's arising in real time and kind of take it in those different directions another way we can react to an emotion that's happening so anxiety arises about this difficult conversation and we can just kind of try to numb numb it out forget about it distract ourselves like oh i don't want to feel this i don't want to think about this conversation i'm just going to eat some ice cream or i'm going to scroll on my phone or i'm going to play a game or i'm going to exercise or i'm going to go back to work and work really hard you know all these different ways that we have kind of strategized to not feel or distract ourselves from feeling difficult emotions and that difficult emotion you know i use the example of a difficult conversation but it can be anything that we get anxious about or um, that incites that kind of fear or insecurity and so fear in this case is afflictive because it takes us away from ourselves and that's what afflictive you know if you boil down what afflictive emotion means or afflictive emotional response means in in buddhist terminology it's really like experiences that pull us away from ourselves from the present moment from the actual experience itself so we go off into our heads into fantasy into worry into rumination into regret um, or into distraction and it's I want to say like you know the word afflictive can, has this, this you know soundingly negative connotation and it's just saying that because there's an, another alternative but it's not bad in and of itself to want to be safe and a lot of those strategies that arise like the strategy of watching a lot of YouTube nonviolent communication building skills it's not bad like maybe when we're doing it unconsciously like there are more skillful ways or you know maybe the invitation is also what is it like to actually feel the anxiety and maybe we don't even need to like have all of these different things working if we actually are able to to be with the anxiety maybe but it's not bad in and of itself to want to be safe and it's not wrong you know to go down a lot of these different paths of thought it's not bad or wrong to comfort ourselves or to want to do better or to have aspirations to have nonviolent communication in our relationships so part of being human is that we have emotional responses <laughs> that's you know, part of being human is that we're relating beings that for some of us you know our emotions might be big for others of us they might be a lot more subtle or nuanced or very inner and for others they may be very external and um, expressive and there's you know nothing wrong with also how we experience emotion what often happens 
And this is another way that we could have an afflictive emotional response is that we're afraid of feeling our emotions. We're afraid, you could say, we're afraid of our fear. And parts work, I've you know, been a student of parts work for a number of years, and parts work has a really helpful way of languaging, um, you know, talking about why, you know, why we have fearful responses and like skillful ways of working with or getting to know like this uh, inner system of parts that we have. So I'm going to use some parts work language now as a way of describing. And for some of you, you might really resonate with this languaging. And for others, you might prefer the, the more traditional Buddhist languaging. So kind of go back and forth between both. But first I want to introduce some parts work languaging. So in parts work, you would say like parts of us got the message when we were young that it wasn't okay to be afraid or to be sad or to be needy or to feel shame or to feel some of these bigger or more vulnerable feeling uh, emotions. So the parts that feel these emotions are often quite young. Um, you know, younger parts of us who felt these emotions when we were young and often are quite shunned in our inner system because protective parts have kind of developed skills and strategies for um, managing or protecting our system, managing our emotions, our emotional responses, especially if we got messaging like, that's not okay to feel your feelings or your, your feelings are too big um, or our caregivers couldn't really handle our feelings. So the, the parts that learn to manage our emotions are really working to protect our system from feeling overwhelmed by our emotional experience. And so they do various things like distract ourselves from the present moment um, so that they don't or we don't have to feel the embodied emotional experience that is happening for fear often that it's going to be too overwhelming. And sometimes, you know, when you're like in touch with your inner system, you might even hear yourself saying that, like, oh, if I really let myself fear, feel this sadness, I'll be crying for the rest of my life. I've heard people say that. I'm like, well, maybe not the rest of your life. But like, that's sometimes what the internalized belief is. Like, oh, if I really let myself feel this, if I really let myself feel this fear, I wouldn't ever leave the house. Might be something you would say. Or if I really let myself feel this anxiety, I wouldn't talk to anybody. But it's not like there's a difference between feeling, you know, our emotions with presence, with loving presence, and becoming our emotions. So that that's a difference and we'll talk about. So then we have parts that develop that pick up these strategies, a lot of the strategies that I named. It can be working hard, it can be eating, it can be phone scrolling, it can be partying, it can be spacing out, it can be angry outbursts, um, different ways that we've learned to protect the most vulnerable parts of our system. And those are the parts that usually feel afraid or anxious. Um, or are, are afraid of feeling afraid or feel shame. 
So how do we, and also I want to say again, like these strategies that we developed aren't bad and they aren't wrong. Um, and of course, like there are skillful, more skillful and more unskillful um, strategies that we've developed and some of the more unskillful strategies may harm ourselves and others and you know, through awareness practice and therapy and uh, doing any kind of inner work we can learn to develop more healthy strategies and Buddhist practice is helping us learn to be with this more vulnerable experience like feeling being with our anxiety and our fear uh, as it arises or being in relationship to it. So how do we practice with fear and anxiety? Um, practice is, and this is, you're always good to remember, like practice is grounded in wisdom and compassion, or another way of saying that is attention and love, or presence and acceptance. So it's always grounded in the quality of you know, deep presence, awareness, and love and compassion, like this quality of heart openness. And practice invites us always first to notice what's happening. And that's the quality of awareness. So we, you know, enter present moment experience and just begin to notice what's happening. So sometimes we can catch what's happening at the first thought, but often not. Often we're like many thoughts down the road before we notice even like, oh, I'm no longer attending to my breath or, oh, I'm thinking, oh, I'm doomsday thinking or doomsday scrolling. Um, so, you know, we catch ourselves wherever we catch ourselves. And, you know, for the example I used of like nervous, oh, there's anxiety about you know, having this difficult conversation. And then we might notice ourselves like halfway to the refrigerator to get some ice cream or like wait why am I going to get ice cream now I just had dinner or I'm actually pretty full and we might notice oh I'm thinking about that conversation that I have to have tomorrow with my boss or with my partner and you know so there's like there we can catch it or we might catch it when we're like four steps into a thought of planning how we're going to get out of the conversation or what we're going to say or what they're going to say. So practice invites us to notice what's happening and depending on where we are and the, you know, the conditions of the time and day and resources we have in the moment, you know, we can do so much. Uh, so sometimes uh, we can work with this on the cushion of like noticing, okay, I'm feeling fear and anxiety. Let me like, let me study it. Let me get curious about it. I have, I've set up the causes uh, and conditions. That's a supportive environment. I have got my sangha here and they're going to hit the bells for me. Someone's going to hit the bells for me. And I just, all I have to do is listen. And so that can be a really great place to explore, to you know, start to explore 
fear and anxiety is really like working with it on the cushion and that might be calling to mind um, a time when when anxiety was was strong or a fearful thought that has been kind of nagging at you and then the, the next invitation is to trace the thought back to the body like I said, fear and anxiety can be elusive, but we can um, often trace these sensations back to an embodied experience. So many emotions we've gotten so good at blocking or turning into mental activity, it can be an interesting question just to ask, like, where do I feel this in my body? And you might notice, oh, wow, the attention just wants to go right back up into thought and to think about it. And just keep dropping in, like, oh, can I drop into my heart and see where do I feel this in my body? And you might get wisps. Like you might get a wisp of, oh, something's going on in my stomach. And just being curious and sometimes like that might be all the information you can get in that moment, but it's a practice of turning towards the embodied experience, which as we do that more and more, our capacity to feel grows uh, and our capacity to be with uh, fear and anxiety. Our system begins to learn like, oh, this isn't bad. We actually do have the resources to sit with this, to feel it. And maybe, you know, our system feels like we have the resources to do this for one breath cycle or half a breath cycle at first. And that's okay, that's, you know, that's how we build trust. Like, okay, that we were able to do that, can we do two? Okay, it wasn't so bad, can we do three? And it might be over the course of days or weeks And that's, so when we get to the place of inviting curiosity of where or how we experience uh, fear and anxiety, fear or anxiety in our bodies, um, you know, we can, here's when to bring in acceptance and compassion, because that can help our system feel more safe to sit with or be with. Um, those sensations to get be able to be even curious about them now sometimes for some like people or for some experiences that are linked to um, fear and anxiety there may be like a traumatic memory that's connected to whatever um, you know, situation is, is causing fear and anxiety. And that, you know, it's wise to know your own, you know, get, getting to know your own system. And it may be that like at this point in your healing journey, like dropping into the body and feeling it during meditation is like not, you're not ready for that yet. And that's, you know, totally okay. And there might be, you know, places um, 
that you can work with emotional experience that uh, is doable and there might be other emotional experiences that your system's just not ready for or exploring in meditation and you can you learn like which ones like what you can move towards safely and what your system's just like hey no 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 and don't push yourself you don't need to push yourself And for all of us, and this is like another parts language thing is our bodies often feel emotions and sometimes our protective parts are guarding our bodies and not really allowing us to be embodied. And so if you notice that you're getting into a struggle, um, you can turn towards your whole entire system and like send loving kindness, like let your system know, like here I am here I'm present and I'm ready to feel and that can help us begin to build trust with all of the parts that are involved in protecting our, our systems so <clears throat> just a couple more things I want to say about this like in in terms of practice is you getting to know um, fear and anxiety so one way of getting to know is is through dialogue and you know you can say to yourself as you're sitting and you've like located okay there's like anxiety i'm feeling it uh, in my heart area it's kind of soft and wispy and uncomfortable and i'm noticing like there's this kind of other energy that wants to push it away and then you can kind of talk to your system like, okay, I see, like, there's a part of me that's really anxious or you're really anxious right now. It's okay, I'm here. And you can like let this other part know, like, I'm here, it's okay. Like, I just wanna be with you. And you're just in that, like, projecting a kind of confidence and, um, and kindness and presence that allows your system to know like this is a different conditions than the previous hurts that may have caused um, our systems to feel like it's actually not safe to feel these emotions and that can generate again can generate trust another way of meeting fear and anxiety uh, in traditional buddhist practice is metta so using loving-kindness um, phrases and you can direct loving-kindness towards the part of you that feels the fear and anxiety or towards the area of your body that you're feeling those sensations or even towards the thoughts if you can't really if you're still having trouble getting into the body but you're noticing oh the mind just keeps wanting to think about this you can send loving-kindness to the part of you that's that's kind of stuck on the thoughts in the mind and the traditional loving kindness phrases that we use um, in in this tradition is may you be free from fear and anxiety may you be at ease may you be truly happy so there are three may you be free from fear and anxiety may you be at ease may you be truly happy in some traditions, they also say, may you be safe and protected, which for some of our parts, that might be a really nourishing phrase. And you can create your own. You can create your own that 
that really feel like they respond to what um, is happening in your system that meets the the vulnerabilities or the um, protective parts. So that's um, all I wanted to say on that topic. It's a long topic and we can get more into the nuance of it um, some other time or it's also something that's great like if you do work one-on-one -on -one with a teacher and you're curious about working with um, fear and anxiety in your practice it's something that you might be able to work on with uh, one of your teachers more individually or a therapist I'm curious if anybody has any questions or anything you want to say about